All right. Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland, and today, Clayton Fletcher. A host of the Tournament Poker Edge podcast is with us. Uh, I'm I'm Rec Poker Steve in our Poker Stars home games, and reminding you, as John Vorhaas once said, "Don't challenge strong players; challenge weak ones. That's what they're there for." Nice. Uh, well, I'm Andrew Feist, uh, dealer four one two on the Poker Stars home game, uh, and Tony Dungy said, "Others determine your reputation, but only you determine your integrity." Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm Chris Jones, 5x5 on uh, PokerStars, 5v5 on Twitter, and I'm clean-shaven today, so it's very exciting. (laughs) Oh, man. Baby face, Chris. Well, my name is Jim Reed. I'm Bluffsterini in the home game, and you will not see me clean-shaven on this show, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Rob Washam, uh, Rabman50 on Twitter and on the PokerStars home game. And I am with Jim. You will never see me clean shaven ever. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought a few months ago before, but then I shaved. Now Chris is shaved. But, but I also want to introduce Rec Poker Nation. Chad McVean is with us too. Chad is our, our latest member of the Wrecking Crew. Uh, if you don't know about that, go to Rec.Poker and check it out. But he's a huge supporter of everything we've done for a long time at Rec.Poker. So I uh, want to invite Chad into the discussion. Yes, hi, I'm Chad McVean, um, Veener85 on Twitter, McVean on the PokerStars uh, home game. And just remember, if I raise, I have it. <laughs> he always I has it. I call right there. Uh, well, thank, thanks to the panel. Uh, also, thanks to our official sponsor, Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel, and our other podcast sponsors, Learn Pro Poker and Website Amp. Uh, we're almost time for Clayton Fletcher, but real quick, starting next week, a reminder, we're going to be expanding to two podcasts, so keep an eye out for that. And, you know, what we do is, is community. Uh, we celebrate each other's victories. We help each other grow. It's sort of a refreshing take on a lot of poker communities. So if that's something that's appealing to you, check us out at rec.poker. Uh, if you want a premium membership, uh, you don't have to. You can join for free. But if you want to get the premium membership, you can get 10 bucks off your first payment with the code RECPOKER. So with that, uh, let's welcome in Clayton Fletcher. Welcome, young man. Hey, thanks for having me. And thanks for calling me a young man. <laughs> well, you know, we're trying to grease the skids right away here. Uh, so, <laughs> so this is our first time having you on the show, which is, which is a crime, right? We've had 190 episodes and we haven't had you on. So welcome. Uh, where are you joining us from? I'm in New York City, where I live. It's not exactly the uh, <clears throat> poker capital of the world these days, but uh, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm based because of my other career. Some of your listeners may know I'm also a professional comedian. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've been out in New York for quite a while or are you originally from there or what's the deal there? Well, I grew up in Baltimore, which is why you will see the random uh, Orioles tweet on my Twitter feed. (laughs) But uh, I've been living in New York for about 20 years. So I think I can now say that I am a New Yorker. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is still an open question. Right. So depending on the crowd, you, you say you're from Baltimore, or you say you're from New York, you kind of switch it up. Absolutely. You got to read the room. Right. So, okay. So which came first, I guess, comedy or poker and podcasting? What was the order of operations there? Yeah. So actually I started out as a musician. My father was a professional jazz bass player and my mother was a poker player. 
So although I was always interested in poker and familiar with poker, I actually started in, in my life following in my father's footsteps. I was uh, a musician. I'm a bass player as well. Uh, then I got into acting and singing, and I had a long career uh, you know, performing and everything. And actually, it was, uh, I started getting really serious about, about poker when I was, uh, I guess, a, maybe a, about 15 is when I started reading my mother's books that she had, like Super System and others, uh, and then still started taking a, a little bit more of a serious interest in the game. Otherwise, I would sometimes deal in my mother's home game when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Did you get tips at least? Oh, definitely. Yeah, they thought it was so cool. There was a 13-year-old boy dealing at the, at the table in the, in the back room home game. But yeah, I mean, we had an interesting household. I mean, my the poker game was upstairs, and then the the jazz music was downstairs. So we had a lot of interesting characters come through the front door over the years. So, so with with your comedy and your acting and your singing, I, I got to ask this. I know we got to get to poker, but these guys are like, let's talk poker, and I'm like, ah, I'm always so interested in people's journeys. But like, what, like, is there any one thing that you've done that just stands out as like, man, that was that was the best, man. That was like the best, you know, either stand-up gig or, or singing gig or acting gig or something where you're just like, man, either, you, you could, could be something you're super proud of, but that's not really what I'm after. It's like, what, what stands out is like that thing that's just the most memorable and meaningful for you? Well, I mean, one time I got to do a comedy performance for 6,000 people in Sweden. And that was something I'll never forget because that's just, so many people. I mean, even if like half those people thought I was funny, that's 3,000 people <laughs> laughing. That's a lot of laughing. Right. Um, but really nothing will ever compare to uh, being on ESPN and playing for $10 million in the main event. That, that is something that is both something I'm very proud of, but also something that really stands out to me. All the cool things I've done in my life uh, you know, just to to do that well in the main event back in 2018, that that is something I will never forget. So I assume with the the Swedish comedy gig, you just were up there kind of making furniture, right? That's probably is that kind of the joke? <laughs> is that kind of what you? <laughs> no, but with with the with yeah, the main I mean, e- with, with the main event, like is that was that something? I mean, were you fully aware like of of all the cameras and everything going on, or were you so into the game you were just you know focused there? Honestly, and I've, I've spoken to other players that have gotten really deep. It feels surreal. I wasn't fully aware. It actually felt like I was mm. in a movie. And that, that I was, or maybe it was like an acting job or something. It just feels, it, it's not real. It doesn't feel real until you get the check. And then you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that, that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> but while it's happening, you're just, you feel like it's a dream. You know, like most of us, I never miss an episode of ESPN's World Series of Poker back in the day. And there was one episode where they basically made the whole episode about me. And just to think that I would ever, you know, quote unquote, star in an episode of one of my favorite TV shows is surreal. I mean, that's really the only word I can think of to to describe the feeling. Like, this isn't actually happening. I felt like I was having a dream or something. And, you know, then when the check clears and you're like, that, that happened, that's when it really hits home. 
Well, I, I'm not going to get a better segue than that. So let me jump in with a question. Anyone who listens to the TPE podcast knows that uh, you're on the exploitative side of play versus GTO. And when you're, when you're in a spot like that in the main event, it's, uh, can you just talk to us a little bit about what are the factors that you're thinking about when you're deciding, you know, I, I'm not really playing a GTO strategy. I'm playing this hand right now against this opponent where the stakes are what they are. It, uh, what, what are the things that you're thinking about in that mind frame as opposed to in sort of a, this is a, a, an optimal theory that I'm taking into a game generally? Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, let me start off, though, by just um, let me say I believe that GTO is an exploitative strategy. I mean, the reason why the theory of the game is what it is is because if you play that way and your opponents make any mistakes at all, then playing in the GTO style will exploit those mistakes, I guess, kind of automatically, right? Uh, but what I what I try to do is I study GTO. I, I try to know what the what the computer models would say is the best way to beat a player who makes no mistakes at all. And and the computer would eventually come to the conclusion, right, that doing that is impossible. You can't beat somebody who doesn't make any mistakes. The best you can hope for against a player like that is to also not make any mistakes yourself. So to be unexploitable. But, you know, I don't play against computers. I play against people. And the people that I play against make lots of mistakes, as do I. <laughs> so what I try to do is, understanding the fundamentals of game theory and what the GTO strategy would be, I pick and choose when I would deviate from what the computers would say to do based on the mistakes that I've noticed my opponents making. And, you know, some of those tables that I played back in the 2018 main event, these guys were crazy. I mean, they were, they were playing a style of poker that I hadn't seen since maybe 2005. It was just wild. And they were mostly on my left. So, you know, I had to make a lot of adjustments to my game because of that. Those specific adjustments, by the way, were I played much tighter than I normally would. Because if guys on your left are not going to fold, it's not helpful to try to bluff them. Uh, and then because they weren't folders, I, when I value bet, I value bet much bigger, even with a hand like second pair, than, than I would normally against a more reasonable opponent, let's just say. Clayton, I wanted to uh, follow up to with, with that episode that you're talking about where ESPN caught a lot of, of your table, both uh, sort of before you were at the featured table and a little bit while at it. But um, there's one particular hand that I think is really memorable for me, probably for you. I don't know if it's all a blur and you don't remember any of it, but um, and it's the hand where um, you have the goods and this player is really trying to take, get the read on you. I mean, they're like talking to you, they're asking you like, oh, so you're a comedian, huh? And rather than sort of being the stoic stone face that I think we're always told to be, you uh, engage with this player and you say, not only am I a comedian, I'm a trained actor. And I, <laughs> do you remember this moment at all? Oh, for sure. That, okay. that was one of, that was, I was so glad that they had the cameras there for that <laughs> moment because it was 
it was really fun. You know, like one thing I love to do every day of my life is have fun. And so I, I can't sit there and stare down my opponents for 10 hours a day in the main event and keep my mouth shut. And I, I can't. So, you know, I probably give away all kinds of tells, but luckily for me, I know what some of my tells are. And then I just try to do those same things when the opposite <laughs> of what the tell normally means is true. So that way, if someone really is studying me as the player in the hand you're asking about was, I can hopefully just find a way to throw them off with enough. I try to dilute the information enough that if they are getting anything, it's not really useful yeah. to them. Well, I've, I've so. watched that hand a few times, and I, I really think the moment you say the word actor is the moment he decides to call. Even though he tanks for a long time afterwards, it's like, I'm also a trained actor, and he's like, oh, I'm calling this guy. And, and <laughs> I, I really do think that you could see this sort of coin drop in his head, and I think, and I don't, so for you, that was just kind of natural talk. You weren't like try it wasn't like something you were intentionally trying to get some sort of like call out of him you're just engaging with the player and they they read it maybe as something else i think but um well that guy i, I want to talk about that guy for a minute. <laughs> uh, because uh but the, the cameras did not catch uh what happened about 30 minutes the the, the previous four or five hands i was picking up hand after hand after hand at that table. And I would raise and he would call every time and I would miss the flop and I would bet. And I was very new at that table. This is like right when I sat down at that table, I got a bunch of cards. So what am I supposed to do, right? Uh, so he kept calling and I decided, all right, I'm not bluffing this guy anymore. And then they come over with the cameras and then they, everybody gets to see that hand happen. But what they didn't see was all the times he called my bluff, the, you know, probably three or four times in the previous 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So things had been set up. People remember what happened most recently, right? So he knows he's made some chips by calling me. He called me a couple of times and each time he got up and made a, a noise like, he, he spoke a foreign language. I'm not sure what language it was exactly, but he, um, he kind of got up and celebrated every time he beat me by calling my bluffs. So he kind of had it in for me, which is odd because I had very recently sat down at the table. So, but yeah, but that's the part you don't get to see. And that's the problem with, you know, ESPN coverage. They can't catch everything, right? So they're catching the good part. They didn't see all the parts where I kept losing <laughs> to this guy. <laughs> the yeah, he had, yeah. Yeah. So he had made a lot of money already by calling me and calling me and calling me. So when, uh, when he finally chose to, uh, to call one time when I actually did have the goods, then that's the one that, that made the, you know, the highlight reel on TV or whatever. And just more in general, when, when we as players, especially in live, I mean, a lot of us aren't playing live right now because of the way the world's working. But when we return to live play, um, when, when people are trying to get a read on us and we don't necessarily, I mean, maybe we should just be stoic, sort of like stare at the table types. But if we want to, what, what are some tips that you have for, for players, um, you know, who, who do engage with other players who they know are trying to get a read on them? Yeah, so... I mean, depending on who that other player is, 
if you believe that your opponent is a world-class body language expert who's just he'll know if you're full of it or not uh maybe the best advice is for you to try to hide all of your tells as as well as possible uh but typically most opponents you can probably steer them in the right direction oh yeah and let me go back because you did say something that isn't exactly true i mean yeah i'm trying to have fun at the table but i also do have a desired outcome here right i have three aces I absolutely want this guy to call me. And if I feel like he's about to fold, but if I tell him I'm an actor, he might not. Then, yeah, of course, it's to my advantage to to tell him that. So it's not simply that I'm trying to have fun at the table. But part of my game is that I like to laugh and have fun, joke around a lot at the table. And if it if it also helps to, you know, help me achieve the desired result, then that's just that's just icing on the cake. Yeah, you use with you use what you've got, right? Uh, the reason we paint the barn red is because we've got a bunch of red paint. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, use comedy and humor, and you know, make that your edge. Yeah, I mean, I'm a really outgoing guy. It's it's hard for me to not be me. So, my version of trying to win at poker involves me talking. And it's not that I have like magic words that if you say this, they'll always do that or, or anything. It's really about just, it's kind of like comedy in the sense that it's about being in the moment and understanding what the other people in the room want, you know, and I say this all the time, but the, the difference is in comedy, I give them what they want. And in poker, I try to disappoint them. Right? I mean, you don't you don't want to mix that up you don't want to <laughs> I gotta remember. Yeah. Like, what am i doing tonight am i disappointing people or am i giving them what they want what do i uh, you walk I out on the stage which which, 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 uh, which job am i doing right yeah well part part of humor is frustrating expectations right putting that that unexpected surprise in there and not really giving them what they want but uh, giving them something else instead so they might be closer than you think yeah that's a really good point actually because deception is a very important component of stand-up and obviously we all know how important it is in poker but i don't think it's as obvious to people how important deception is in comedy but it's it's essential you can't get laughs if the audience beats you to the punch I, and I, but I like what you said a lot about, you know, just being being who you are and sort of then how do you maximize your game in the context of who you are? If you're somebody that likes to laugh, you like to engage with people, you like to do all those things, then it sounds like what you're doing is saying, well, I'm still going to be me. But in the context of that, I'm going to try to figure out how to optimize that talk. But that doesn't mean that everybody should be like, oh, I'm going to be like Clayton. I'm going to go be really talkative. If you're quiet, that's fine too. You know, just kind of be who you are though, right? I mean, that seems like that's a, such an important part of of this, uh, of this whole experience of life, but even at the poker table and if, especially for recreational players, as we try to draw as much joy as we can out of the game, it'd be pretty tough to go through it not being authentic to who we are. Yeah, and you know, sometimes I get the sense that maybe my opponents might recognize me, but they don't want to say hello or they don't want to give away that they know who I am or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I always just feel like saying, you know, hi, I'm Clayton. <laughs> I just tell him, you know, and that way it's like, oh, I thought that was you. Sometimes that'll start a conversation at the table, which I always love, you know, yeah. when people are talking and engaging. And I, I really hate that so much of the poker advice available in the world is 
that people should try to pretend to be robots or something. Because I think that even if it is a little bit plus EV to do that, it's not worth whatever little bit of money you're earning by not saying a word for 10 hours a day. It's not worth what you're costing yourself in terms of just enjoying your life. You know, poker doesn't have to be ugly. Hmm. We can have fun and play hard and everybody try to win. Everybody at this table, try your best to win. But we can still be nice to each other, especially when the cards are, are being shuffled. That's my favorite time to like, so where are you from? What do you do? That's my favorite time to kind of start like loosening people up a little bit. And again, it's not just because I want them to, you know, for some strategic reason, it's more just because, you know, if we're going to sit here all day, right. You know, let's be cool. <laughs> you know, let's just be right. cool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just all agree to sit here all day. If we're going to might as well be cool about it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Good, well uh, in some respects, that might even be plus EV in that if you keep people in, interested in the game and they're enjoying the game, they're going to keep coming back and hopefully continue to contribute. So in a long-term point of view, I think making the game inviting is a plus EV move, even if you might be giving up a little bit of expected value in the very short term. Absolutely. And, you know, I've played in some pretty juicy cash games in Hollywood or even a few here in New York with, you know, people that are more from the entertainment side of things, comedians, actors, they're not serious poker players. They like to get together and throw their money around. And, you know, if you want to get invited to that game more than once, you cannot be that guy with the headphones and the sunglasses right. and the sweatshirt. You have to be the guy that's adding to the entertainment value. And those are some of the best opportunities for poker players are the games where people are, are getting together to have fun. And the way they want to have fun is to play poker. And the more fun we can make the game, the better it is for everybody. And not just for the bottom line, but for other lines as well. You know, what about the fun line? I care a lot about the fun line and I feel like poker is infinitely better when people are enjoying each other's company as well as playing to win, you know? Well, and that, that brings me to the question I actually wanted to ask, which is kind of related. It, one of your strengths as the host of the TPE podcast is that you are a serious poker player and you know your stuff. However, you're also very relatable. You're not, the level that you speak at isn't so high that it shoots over the head of the recreational player. You're kind of like the conduit between us rec players and the professional players, although I, I think you'd probably consider yourself as a, a semi-pro at least. Uh, what do you think about that and how you performed on the TPE podcast? Well, first of all, I want to say I think that's a tremendous compliment. I mean, I know that the listeners to our podcast are varied. I mean, some of them are very serious players who spend five to ten hours a week studying really high-level videos on tournamentpokeredge.com. They're trying to uh, you know, really become masters of the game. And some of our listeners are just kind of picking it up you know, just learning the ropes of 
tournaments and they maybe enjoy kind of listening to some strategy, even though they might not understand every single thing I say or my guest says, they're still interested because they feel like they can absorb enough of it to enjoy themselves. So when you're speaking to a, a really diverse audience, you have to be relatable to all of them. So I try to, I really make an effort to balance the podcast, something for the really serious veteran player, expert player, and something for the new guys. And that's why I'll do things like, I'll try not to use terminology like seed bet. I'll say continuation bet. And I don't use terms like Rex and regs. I'll say this player, the mistake that I've noticed him making is he tends to fold too much. And that's a little bit more relatable than, oh, this guy's a tight wreck. You know, so I, I kind of pick and choose my words in that way. And the reason why is because I know that there are so many people listening and they're from all different stages of their poker development. So I want to make sure it's, it's enjoyable for all of them equally. Very good. Hey, you've been uh, playing a little bit online lately because I've been uh, <laughs> listening to you on the podcast and you've been going over some hands that you've been playing online and you don't use a HUD, but you still come up with the exploits for the player that you're playing against. And, you know, some of us use HUDs and we try to use that as a guide to how to play that or how to exploit that player, right? But you don't do that. And I'm just curious, what things are you looking for when you get that read on him, like he folds too much or he calls too much or whatever that exploit is that you're trying to exploit him with? I'm just curious, what, what uh, kind of information are you gathering and how are you gathering that to come up with those exploits? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I, I think that because I started out as a live player, I'm actually not as comfortable with the HUD as some others. And also because I've been playing on certain sites, regulated legal online sites in New Jersey, uh, the HUD is not even available on those sites. So that, it hasn't even been an option. Um, so what I do is I kind of take from my live background and I pay attention to the game. You know, the HUD is great because it, you don't really have to pay that much attention to the game because the computer is basically going to tell you what your opponents are doing wrong. But if you don't have that luxury, then you have to pay attention. And a lot of times you don't have that many hands to, to witness. But if I've noticed a player has you know, raised three of the last five times it folded to him. I'm going to surmise that there's a realistic chance this player is pretty loose and aggressive. Now, it's also possible he got aces three times. So I need to keep watching. But I'll make sort of snap judgment notes on everybody at my table right away within the first half hour of sitting at a table. I'll say, this guy, I noticed when it folded to him on the button, he didn't open the pot. Just that might be enough to say, this guy might be tight. And then I look to confirm or refute my initial read. And for me, it works better to make that read as quickly as I can and then be willing to, you know, given additional evidence, change the read 
that works better for me than just saying, well, I have no reads on my opponents. So I'm just going to assume that he's a reasonable player, especially when a lot of my opponents are not reasonable players, not at all. So I need to figure out quickly what they're doing wrong and develop a strategy to exploit those mistakes. Now it's an inexact science. I don't have thousands and thousands of hands like you might on your HUD, but typically a leopard <laughs> can't hide his spots <laughs> for very long and people show themselves to be how they are, whether that be too tight or too loose. And then I can come up with a game plan uh, for that opponent. And Clayton, just a quick follow up to that point. So then do you actually record that information in like the poker software in a note or do you have like a pen and a paper nearby or are you just remembering it about those players? Yeah, no, I like to make the notes right on the players and I, I color code them so that I don't have to read every single note I wrote on every player. If I can have a shorthand, like for this player, I use that color and for this player, I use, uh, I use a different color. Now, I don't say what colors they are, not because I have a secret, but because I'm colorblind. So I don't even know what colors I'm using, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, this color's the really loose guy. It's and the that color color's... of a tree. <laughs> that wouldn't even help me because <laughs> I can't distinguish a tree from the grass. So yeah, I, it's just it, the, the certain color that I know to be either blue or purple is the color I use for the best players. So if I get to a table and from previous experience, three of my opponents are colored in, in, that shade, I'll know that I'm going to be at a pretty tough table. Uh, if there are a lot of what I call yellow, I'm not sure what you guys would call it, uh, then I will know that it's a really loose table. And if there's a lot of what I call red, then that's going to be a tight table. Now within that, I will take more detailed notes on each one, but it's kind of good to just be able to look. And generally, the tight players are on my left and the loose players are on my right, so I'm a happy camper. And if it's any other configuration, then I might have a more difficult job that day. So in today's world where pretty much everything's shut down, uh, it sounds like you're playing a lot more online poker just like the rest of us are. We're, we're normally used to playing on you know, actual felt. Um, I know for myself, I'm, I'm not a pro, I'm not a professional, I don't play high stakes, but I just love playing uh, live poker and the interactions. Um, how are you finding this transition to just online? Like, are you doing Zoom games at all too, or is it just strictly you and the computer and going that way? Yeah, well, lately I've been playing mostly in the World Series of Poker uh, bracelet events that were available to players in New Jersey and Nevada. So that's pretty much how I spent most of July. I was playing three or four days a week. Uh, on there. So yeah, to me, that's a lot more volume than I'm used to, but you know, I, I decided to go for it. Um, I don't really enjoy the online game as much, you know, obviously for me being an extrovert, I like being around people and I still enjoy the competition. And of course I enjoy poker. You know, I like talking about hands. I like reviewing videos. I'm interested in poker, of course, but my favorite thing about poker is sitting there and hearing the sounds of the casino and the, the shuffling of the chips. And there's a certain romance to just holding two pieces of plastic in my head and having to take a peek to see you know, what's on the other side. 
it's just the the online experience is to me it's not as much fun and i think even serious online players mostly say that there's nothing like being there but i'm glad they did something because i was really sad when i heard the world series of poker was canceled yeah kind of piggybacking off of chad's question on that one i was going to talk to you about mental game as far as you being loving live games like you do, obviously we do too, and you needing the human interaction, what do you do for your mental game? Because it can be very like draining just to sit in front of a computer and just just try and grind away even though we don't, I'm not a, I'm not a huge online guy either. I, I prefer live so much more. But what do you do to try and keep yourself sane, I guess, in that way, when you are so used to live and so drawn to live because of, of your personality and your background? Well, one thing that really helps me as far as the mental game online is just the fact that I can play so many tournaments simultaneously. I think that's a huge help as far as keeping myself, you know, focused and avoiding tilt because yeah, maybe I just took a really bad beat in one of the tournaments, but I'm playing seven other tournaments. So maybe I just delivered a bad beat on one of those tables too. So (laughs) You know, it, it all kind of evens out a lot faster. You know, for example, I mean, in July, I played something like 123 tournaments. I can't remember if it was 123 or 124. And, you know, being a live player, I've never played 124 tournaments in a year before. And I played it in one month. And so there, the variance kind of evens out a lot, a lot faster that way. It would take me. Yeah, I might play 35 to 45 tournaments on an average year because I'm a live player. So this is like three years worth in one month. That's crazy. That so, a lot. so when you when you take a bad beat, you don't punt off the rest of your stacks like I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've been playing poker for a long time. I've I've taken every bad beat that is possible. I don't know how many times. So there's nothing that can happen at the table that I haven't seen before. So yeah, it takes a lot for me to, to feel on tilt or like I'm going to punt off my stack or anything like that. So no, I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Clayton, we believe in uh, learning together, learning in community here at rec.poker. We've got a free community membership that people can join to share their thoughts about poker and learn together. Um, we've also got a paid uh, component here with some learning stuff. I know at uh, TPE, you've got a lot of really top notch uh, training materials as well um, for recreational players that are serious players, but they're just, they're part-time players like us. We've got real jobs. We take it seriously. We compete. We want to have fun. We want to get better. Um, what are the kind of tools or practices that you'd encourage people to, uh, to take up if they're trying to, trying to get their game to the next level? You know, there's so many great resources out there. Um, you know, for me, being a spokesperson for TPE, I, I, I would say that they have so much material for people that fit that exact category that you're describing. And as for the specifics, I would say go to TPE or some competing website if you prefer and find a video where a coach explains the basics of hand reading. Because to me, the most important skill in Hold'em tournaments, at least, 
is hand reading. If you can get a good feel for the range of hands that your opponent will most likely have in his or her range, playing the game suddenly becomes so much more fun because now all of a sudden I'm not as worried about what I have. You know, in the old days, you read Super System by Doyle Brunson and would say, you know, when I play, I don't play my cards. I play my opponent's cards. And that's a really sexy, glamorous thing to write in a poker book. <laughs> but it's not until you really start to get a feel for hand reading and how to get better at that, that you really understand what Doyle meant when he wrote that. So yeah, that's where I would start is, is focus on that. And don't feel like you need to memorize every single chart about what hands you can push fold with 13 big blinds. You know, that's not going to be fun, even for a fairly serious recreational player. You know, get the most bang for your buck and learn how to be a better hand reader. And that will instantly improve your game and make it more fun for you to play. Love it. Talk a little bit about, uh, I don't know if this has been part of your journey or not. Obviously with COVID things are different and you're an entertainer, so you've been traveling around, but uh, has there been a group of people that you've sort of grown with that have kind of been your poker tribe or you've been more of a, you know, I'm going to learn this thing on my own and, and go that direction. You know, you can't separate the comedian from the poker player. So uh, I made friends with a lot of really, really top notch, like I would say world-class players. When I was in Australia playing in the Aussie millions and we had a night off and I'm friends with Tony Dunst, you know, from the world poker tour. And I mentioned to him, you know, I, I'm doing a comedy gig tonight if you want to come. I said it very casually. Tony and I happen to be playing at the same table. And I said, why don't you come by? I'll get you tickets. You know, you're my friend. I got you. And he's like, oh, Ed, I'll, I'll invite some people. Well, now this is years ago, before Tony was as famous as he is now. You know, he says, I'll, I'll invite a few people. There was a table at that comedy show of at least 20, if not 30, top poker players. <laughs> I've never been more nervous to do comedy <laughs> in my life. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are my heroes and you're watching me perform right. now. And it was uh, really stressful, but it ended up being a really great night because that night after the show, the show went well. And after the show, we all went out for drinks and then you know, these guys had just watched me perform. So they thought it was cool. I was a comedian and I thought that it was cool that they were all great poker players. So we all had a lot to talk about and we went out and had some fun in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Well, I stayed in touch with a few of those guys after that. And one of them is actually kind of my poker mentor. I don't know if it's a name that you guys will know, but I'll try anyway. Anton Wig. So I already mentioned Sweden. Anton is one of the top players from Sweden. And for some reason that I'll never fully understand, my comedy is somewhat popular in Sweden. There so you go, making furniture again. Yeah. Yeah. So as a result, I've traveled to Sweden many, many times. And, you know, the only person I really knew well there was Anton. So it got to the point where he said, you know, when you come here to do shows, you can stay with me. And, mm. you know, on Sundays we'll grind. And when he says grind, I mean, he's on poker stars playing every high stakes tournament. He's got 32 tables open. 
and just watching him and then you know discussing some of the of the hands later has made me so much better at the game i've been over his place i don't know how many hours i've spent just sweating him and watching him play and then talking strategy with him and you know some of his friends that he's introduced me to that would also be you know names that i would put in the in the upper echelon of, of the poker world but yeah you need a squad you know now with my squad they're all better at poker than i am so i have to kind of it's perfect be careful good squad yeah well that's done the right that's the plan man. yeah yeah but at the, at the same time i have to be <laughs> careful i have to be careful how often Right. I bother them with my poker questions. You know, it's not I, like I have the same problem here with this group. Actually, got to keep the comedy coming. <laughs> when does yeah, that these start guys, again? They don't really <laughs> want to talk. These guys don't want to talk strategy with me. You know, they'll do it because I'm their friend. But they would rather talk strategy with each other because they understand. You know, they're on that level together, and I'm at several levels beneath them. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's good to have people that that are willing to, to talk hands with you and, and even just kind of talk general strategy. So, so, so when yeah, you reach I, out to I, them and ask them a poker question, do they just say, well, tell me a joke first. That kind of, <laughs> it's like a quid, a quid pro quo. Let's, yeah. Let's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you, you, a you, full... you, you touched on a couple of, a couple of things that we, we talk about all the time, man. When you, when you get into community, it's more than, you know, what you expect. I think people are like, oh yeah, community, community, community or whatever. But, you know, you find your squad as you describe it. And not only are you becoming a better player, especially if you can surround yourself with people that are at least as good as you, as you have, if not better, but also relationships are formed and friendships are formed and stay with me in Sweden is formed and we'll come to your comedy club is formed. And, and there, there's so much more richness to community than people that aren't in a community realize. They just think, oh, we should learn the game together. Okay. They don't realize that all of these side benefits that come with being in a real, actual community like you found yourself in. Yeah. And another community that obviously I'm a part of, I already mentioned Tournament Poker Edge, but these guys are some of the nicest guys I've ever met, which I didn't really know. I mean, I knew them from their podcast. So uh, eventually, you know, I'm friends with – Carlos Welch, who everybody in poker seems to know and love, the homeless poker player. We, we just Welch. had him on, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Carlos introduced me to Derek and Mark and the other guys from TPE. Uh, and then I was a guest on their podcast, and I kind of told him, you know, you guys, a lot of people want this podcast to, to happen. And it, it hardly ever happens anymore. At that point, they were doing two or three a year. And I said, I'll host mm -hmm. it if you want me to. <laughs> and we, we struck a deal. And that's, I, that's how I got my job is I asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised how often that happens. Yeah. Give people, give people the opportunity to say no. That's what I always say. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, that's a great community too. It's not like the old days of two plus two where you post some hand where you really were stuck and you just didn't know what to do and everybody just says you know you're a donkey right it's it's not like that we don't need that we had that for so many years in poker and at this point lifting other people up it feels good you know it just it, it's it's such yeah. an individual endeavor but it doesn't have to it, it can also be in a sense a team sport if you know what i mean 
Yeah, no, I, I love it. And I think that's, it's not for everybody. Some people just want to be the Lone Ranger, do their own thing, hide behind the hoodie, not talk to anybody, berate the new person. I mean, if that's, if that's how you choose to approach the game, whatever, that, that's kind of your thing. But I think there is a groundswell of, of people that are saying, you know, this, I want this to be fun. Like, you know, I, I play this for fun. I spend my hobby money here. I want to actually enjoy this and meet some good people and, and folks like what we're doing at Rec Poker, but TPE and some of the other folks that you know, they're doing the same thing where it's like, this is the movement. This I think is the future of recreational poker is enjoying it <laughs> and getting better at the game. Don't get us wrong. We want to take your chips, but we're going to enjoy the heck out of this thing. And I, I love, uh, I love the message that you're putting around that. Well, thank you. I kind of liken it to golf. You know, I never was any good at golf, but every time I ever tried to learn the game, I, I would I would enjoy it more as I would add a few more tips to my horrible swing. Like, well, if I would just do this a little better. Like I had a, a, actually a, a violinist that I knew that was also a scratch golfer. They took me out for my very first golf lesson. And he said, you know, every time you play, you should have a, a thought for the day, a swing thought for the day. This is what I'm going to concentrate on today. and I always kind of took that advice with other things that I do, including poker, which is like, you know, I know what my mistakes are. Like if I had to make notes on me, if I were playing against Clayton, <laughs> I'd say, oh, well, this guy, he's too aggressive. He tries to win every pot. So then my, my swing thought for the day at the poker table might be, today I'm going to give up more. You know, find hmm. spots where it's, it's a little more hopeless and I should just give up and not try to win every single hand. And so that helps me learn how to apply the breaks. And then all of that is uh, kind of making me enjoy the game more because it's like, oh, the game doesn't have to be the way it's always been. And it's like kind of fix your swing, you know? And then you have more fun when you're out there, even if you still never break 100. <laughs> right. It's all relative, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it is. I, I love that. I love that idea. I mean, obviously we could talk for hours and hours, but uh, you know, I want to respect your time too. So let, let's start to wrap up there. Uh, it's like a Minnesota goodbye. Let's, we'll start to wrap up here. Uh, and then we'll say goodbye in the entryway and on the driveway and at the mailbox. Um, but, <laughs> you know, but as we start to say goodbye, um, you know, what, what are some other things, any, anything kind of words of wisdom for the rec player that we haven't already shared that you're like, all right, I, I've got, I've got, the rec poker nation uh, here uh, i just want to make sure everybody knows this whether it's about poker life or whatever well i mean i'm not sure i'm qualified to give anyone life advice but well, on this a, platform you are yeah if, if you've been <laughs> if you've done a comedy show in sweden uh you are automatically qualified it's sort of the one automatic opt-in thing that we have yeah okay well then <laughs> i would say you know whatever you do try to enjoy it. And that's, that's the main thing. You know, sometimes people ask me if I consider myself an amateur or a professional or a semi-professional or whatever. And for me, I always remember, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in language, maybe because I'm a writer could be, uh, but the word amateur comes from the Latin for love. So an amateur is someone who does something not for money, but for love. So in that sense, I hope that I will always be an amateur poker player and an amateur comedian and an amateur at everything else I do. Because if you don't love it, then just do something else. That's my philosophy of life. And I hope that, you know, 
that helps other people decide whether they want to continue on this journey or not. Look, poker can be frustrating. I'm not saying I never get frustrated, but if you learn how to enjoy the ride, the adventure, if you will, then I think it's, it's going to be more fun uh, from beginning to end. I love it. I, I need to get a microphone here so I can just drop it uh, from time to time. That was fantastic stuff. <laughs> so, so we've talked a little bit about TPE and, and the comedy, but, but if people want to connect with you, uh, what is the, the ultimate way to do that? Yeah, I'm really, really active on Twitter at Clayton comic. I am also on Instagram at Clayton comic and you know, other places, but really I recommend everybody get a Twitter account. Uh, I love interacting with podcast listeners and poker players and everybody on Twitter. It's a, it's a perfect format for me and the way I like to communicate. So I hope you, if you guys are on Twitter, you'll, you'll follow me at Clayton comic. And if you're not, I think you should join and, and follow me there because it's a good time. If you've never been on Twitter, just get a Twitter account for the sole sake of following Clayton Fletcher. I think it's a good follow. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, and then I draw a thick line. <laughs> then that's stay, it. Off the, stay off the rest of Twitter. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> You're following one person. <laughs> Just kidding, well, Chad. <laughs> yeah, except for Chad McVean. Yeah, right. Well, I was going to well, say, you have to follow Chad. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two, two people you follow. Well, Clayton, seriously, this was a delight. It was, it was a pleasure to meet you. Super excited about everything you have going on. I wish you all the best in the with the podcast world, with comedy, you know, navigating all the, the uncertain times that we have here, but uh, man, I can't thank you enough for your, your, I guess your investment in the poker community, your, your message of uh, being an amateur in all things and uh, promoting the game as well as you do. Well, you know, it's been a lot of fun talking with you guys and I'll come back anytime you'll have me. All right. Don't, Thanks, I always tell people, great. don't, don't tell me that we'll take you up on that sucker. You'll hear from him. <laughs> All right, Clayton. Well, we're going we're gonna to wrap up the show. Uh, we'll let you sign off there, but, but thanks again so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Clayton. All right, guys. Well, fantastic stuff there, Clayton Fletcher. Um, check him out, man. The comedy stuff, the poker stuff, fantastic. And I just, you know, I feel energized just talking to him. I was honestly coming into the show like, oh, I've had a long day. I'm an introvert and I've talked to people all day. Jim knows this. I'm like, I'm just exhausted. And now I'm like kind of revitalized. I think uh, he seems like one of those folks that kind of brings energy uh, back into people like me. So uh, what'd you guys think? I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I was looking forward to this one. Clayton's a, a fun guy on Twitter, and the podcast is always a good mix of kind of banter and reflection, but also some really solid strategy and like, what would I do in this spot kind of stuff. And uh, so he did not disappoint. I think it was kind of cool the way Fletcher kind of took over the TPE podcast because I was one <laughs> of those guys that would wait for three months yeah. to, for Derek to come up with another <laughs> podcast, on, you know, come on, let's have it. And then all of a sudden it'd pop up on my feed and I'd go, Oh great. There's another TP. And I go and listen to it. <laughs> you have to carve out four sudden, hours to catch yeah, up to the whole thing. Right? <laughs> exactly. And then all of a sudden we hear one from Clayton and then next week there's another one from Clayton and next mm. week, Oh, this is great. We's got a, we got a regular thing going. So it was really cool when he took over TPE to give us all that fix that we've been looking for on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> right. Chad, did you have something? Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. The, the old TP podcast, you'd see it come out right before the World Series, and, you'd, and they'd always talk about, oh, it's going to keep going, and then you wouldn't see it for six months. But when, as soon as Clayton took it over, he consistently putting it out, consistently great content, and he covers 
like between the news and what's going on in the world, plus great strategy. He always has great strategy that everyone can relate to. And he just does a great job of putting it out every week. And that's really hard. Like this, you guys know how hard it is to put out a podcast every week and yeah. you go to two now. Right. <laughs> well, Chad, we're just going to make you edit out, edit the other one. We haven't we haven't told you. So. Oh, yeah. It'll be it won't be it won't be any problem at all. You got a lot of room on your plate these days, don't you, Chad? Right. Yeah. Got nothing going on. But but you know he's he's one of these guys. It's just easy to root for. You know, I mean, I think you know we're living in an age right now where you got some of the some of the all stars that are sort of either imploding or they're going down a marketing direction that seems quite negative. And I don't want to get into all that or whatever. But just you know, I, I like to have these guys that I can just root for. Like, man, go get it. Be successful uh that the positivity piece of it that it just makes it super easy so uh yeah that was fantastic but why don't we i know we're already running a little bit long here but uh this is probably the last episode we have where we're going to do the format of the round robin stuff we're gonna you know we'll still have some of the stuff going on but as we go to two uh two episodes it'll look a little bit different as we keep kind of tweaking to make things make things uh better and better but uh let's let's hit the round robin guys uh and as always we got the uh the stoic one mr somsky to lead us off All right. Well, uh, we had our monthly home game and MN Ted, who is Phil Fuhrer, he used to actually host the CPL Poker Podcast, one of the local native Minnesota podcasts, got his first win in that. And of course, next week we will be having our mixed game PLO8. There is a video available for that as well. And later on tonight, of course, we will be playing the Tournament of Champions. So hopefully you have all signed up for that. And tune in next week to figure out who wins or check out the website. So I'll put that information up there tomorrow. Who's in the um, TOC tonight? Uh, Jim's in. Chris, are you in? I think it's just John, Taylor you, and I. John, are you in? No, I'm not in. Oh, only if, two of us made the TOC. If signed up, I'll, I'll gladly take their spot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Send, send Chad your login info quick. I saw you offer yeah. that on Twitter, too. <laughs> I'm well, getting that silver pin tonight. I want it. I need it. We only have two people who didn't sign up for the club who were eligible for it. So everyone else hopefully will be there and play, and uh, we'll see who wins that. But yeah. feel free to just not show up, honestly, really. They're not that fun. Uh, this one is not even that big a field. I would we gotta just keep it, it. we got to keep it away from Canada. Sorry, Jim, I would just we, skip it. Skip it this week. Skip this, it. Will, this will be the fourth silver pin we've awarded. Only three have been awarded. They've all been from different states. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who comes up on top. But good good luck, Jim, honestly. Uh, that Cheers. would be fun to see you get the pin, for sure. Cheers. I want to be the first uh, core team member to get one. But ta- Taylor, Taylor, Taylor could sneak it out tonight as well. So yeah. <laughs> keep your fingers crossed. Well, and if you don't win it this week, then Rob's already in the hunt for, uh, or this month. Oh, yeah. Rob's in the hunt for next month already. Me too, You Rob. didn't waste any Let's time. Go. Oh, I These saw two. that, Steve. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're kind of spoiler alert here, Steve. Oh, <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm so happy. I had a John <laughs> Okay, so. That's so funny because this usually runs so smoothly. Yeah, never yeah we usually never interrupt you at all, ever. Uh, so August 3rd, licorice guy, David Stebbins got his first nightly series victory. August 4th, John Lutze, or Lutze, uh, got his first nightly series victory on August 6th. This is the spoiler alert. Rec Poker Steve, Steve Fredman go. got his third nightly series victory. <laughs> August 7th, Oreo Milk 444, Owen oh, Drabeck no. got his fifth nightly series nice. victory uh. august 8th red devil devil and mn gaurav aurora 
got his fifth nightly series victory as well. And then August 9th, Abner, Jack Burke, got yes. his second nightly hey. series victory. There you go, Jack. Repping rep the book study. We love yeah. that. Yeah, the book study guy, Gorov, is one of our, our three silver pin winners. He's he's back at it again. Drebeck, a name that we see all the time. Lutzi, it's his first nightly, but it's his third, like, overall. He's won, like, a mixed game, a monthly, I think, and this one. Uh, and Dave Stebbins is fairly new to playing, and he's, but he's a beast. He's always in the hunt. So, uh, Licorice great guy. Guys. Yeah, he's yeah. a lot of fun at the table, too. He is, yeah. Well, thank you, John. Good stuff. Robert, is it Rob or Andrew who's got this? It's Andrew tonight. No, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so last time, excuse me, last time on Learning with Partners, which was a couple weeks ago, I know it's a hard time to remember, a bit to remember, uh, we did Red Chip Poker and Poker Coaching. Uh, Those are on the premium uh, premium membership areas at rec.poker, so go ahead and make sure to check those out. They are posted. Uh, This this week, uh, Wednesday the 12th of August at 6.30 p.m., we do have our next Learning with Partners. Uh, We're going to be doing Red Chip and Solve for Why. We're going to be doing a continuation of the last two, so we will be It'll be fun to see to see the uh, continuation of the last two videos we've seen from both of those, uh, and then that that session will be released the following week. Uh, and also, as usual, check out rec.poker/resources for any deals. Uh, and uh, that's all I got. Amazing stuff. And if you guys don't know, if you're a paid member, you get all of this content from our partners, 15 minutes of all of our partners, premium content every month uh, that we continue to format for you. And this just in, uh, Lexi Gavin now. We've we've partnered with Lexi Gavin. Uh, That stuff will be updated on the website if it's not already. I know I got to get some stuff to Andrew, but uh, she's part of the the Learning with Partners crew now as well. So we're going to be able to start promoting her and putting some of her content out there and really encourage you to, to check her stuff out. She's a great friend of the show. She's been on a couple times uh, and just a fantastic person. Uh, and so I really encourage that as well. So thanks for all your work on that, Andrew. Fantastic. Fantastic. Chris Joe. Can't wait to get some, oops, sorry. Can't wait to get oh. into some of uh, Lexi's stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, yeah, and speaking of membership content, uh, we, uh, you know, it's still August. Our value seminar is uh, out and ready for your consumption if you're a paid member. Uh, and then on August 26th, uh, we'll be having our Strat Chat. Uh, we'll be going over the uh, Tournament of Champions final table, but also there to for any members who want to show up and ask questions about the value seminar. And then we're gearing up uh, just uh, – beginning to do an outline and planning our big blind seminar, which will be the seminar for September, which I am very excited about because uh, I struggle in the big blind. So I'm really curious to hear what other people have to say about it. It'll be a fun seminar. Chris, are you going to share as part of that? Are you going to share any of you kind of the, the analysis that Taylor did with you on your big blind stuff? Or is that kind of behind? Yeah. 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 No, we'll, we'll talk about, um, um, you know, my, my own play and then, and then just how people can also approach sort of big blind spots. I think it's, okay. it's a really, uh, it's a, you know, it's obviously what you're, you're designed to lose chips at that position. Um, so you're really just trying to lose the least that you can. Um, but it's a really complicated and challenging, um, position to play and we will, we'll do our best. Love yeah, it. I'm Love really, it. I'm really looking forward to this one because I think not only is it true that 
it's a spot specifically designed for you to lose money. So it really is the losing battle. You're fighting uphill the whole time. And the real question is just how little are you losing relative to the field, which is a weird way to keep score, but it's mm-hmm. absolutely true there. And I think the other thing I love about this is that in the big blind, this is really your best opportunity to practice the kind of shorthanded play factors that you're going to need later when you're crushing it and you're getting it to the final table and there's only three or four players there. You're going to get in a lot of these spots where you're playing blind versus late uh, position opens and limps and two X's and stuff like that. Those spots where both players have really wide ranges, it's hard to practice that in typical tournament situations, but in the big blind, you're going to get a chance to do it more often. You're going to play out of position more often. It's a challenging position to put yourself in, and it's one that can reward, uh, can be rewarded from a lot of study. So I can't wait to get better out of the big blind next month. Nice. Jim, what do you got for us? I'm just excited. I don't want to spoil this whole, there's this whole second podcast thing. Um, but we do have a second podcast coming and uh, uh, that, that just makes me feel like I was pretty excited about this. This is how excited I feel about this upcoming one. And um, we'll get into that. Uh, I guess Steve has some stuff he wants to talk about there. Um, I'm, I'm super excited also just because we've got our newest addition to the Wrecking Crew here, Chad McVean, who's probably, you know, when the guests come on, we try and be nice to them, blow a little smoke maybe <laughs> every once in a while. But Chad's obviously my favorite person on Twitter. Um, he was actually one of my first rec poker friends was Chad. Um, and uh, it's a real pleasure to, to have him here on the podcast. Chad, what, t- tell us a bit about your uh, Twitter story, your poker story, and uh, what's going on with you and rec poker these days. Okay. Well, I got involved in poker, I don't know, probably 15 years ago, um, and have been playing and learning all the way along. Um, I really got into poker podcasts uh, five or six years ago, and I felt that um, I really enjoyed them. I didn't see viewership or, or listenership that high for the ones that I really liked. So the best way you can do that to increase that is just to push it out there, share with everybody. So that's what I try to do on a, well, now it's a daily basis. It used to be every once in a while, but uh, yeah, daily basis, I put out the podcast that I listened to, put a little uh, listing of, of what was in it and encourage people to listen. And it's, it's amazing how um, the friends you can make, just even like the, the poker players that are putting out this work, the, the responses you get from them, um, it's, it's an open line of communication. I know if I have a question on poker, I know I've got a whole bunch of people I can ask and I'll get an answer. Um, and then when I stumbled across uh, Rec Poker, I was actually looking the other day and the first Rec Poker podcast I listened to was the Jonathan Little book review mm. back, back from 2017, was it? Yeah, Around probably. There. And I've been an, a listener ever since, every week. Um, I've got to listen to every single one. I have been on the panel a couple times before, um, and I just really like what Steve and you guys are all building together, this, this idea of community uh, and growing as a group. And poker, yes, it's an individual sport, um, but when you have a team around you, you just get better that much quicker. And with that, um, there's a new um, push I'm doing uh, for Rec Poker on just the idea of community itself. So I've been contacting a lot of poker players um, and I've been getting really good responses from them. Just asking them for a short little video. What are your thoughts on community and poker? 
And it's amazing what I've been getting. And I'd like to encourage anyone else. You want to tell the rec poker community what your thoughts are on poker? Send me a video. Just, or, or just put it on Twitter. Something like that. And, and we're going to share it with the world. Um, because what Steve and everyone else here is building is um, a great thing. It, it helps increase um, the poker community. It takes poker from what some people who don't know much about it think is, you know, it's not really a, a great thing. But poker is more than just a card game. Poker is people. Poker is the interactions, the friendships you make. Um, out of everyone here in this podcast, I've met Steve face to face. I haven't met anyone else. And Jim, we're only a couple hours away from each other um, <laughs> as the only two Canadians here. It's true. <laughs> Although you seem to get your pins delivered to your mail. But <laughs> um, well, we expect you to get more, Chad. Jim's kind of probably done. Yeah, I'm still keeping up. I'm still catching up to Chad here. I, I got to play more. That's my problem is I'm too busy. <laughs> I, I might get one, one uh, nightly series in a week if, if lucky. Um, yeah. I do try to play the mixed games, though, and I think I'm – closer to the top in the mixed game leaderboard and I will be playing the, the Omaha, but isn't it this Wednesday? Yeah, it's this Wednesday. Yeah. So I'll be looking forward to that. Um, just got to keep Mike Patrick out of the game. That way uh, <laughs> we all have a chance, <laughs> but you know, part of the rec poker, Parker growing the community, um, get everyone just to go to the site, rec.poker, get a free membership. Just look what there is. There's great content that's out there. If you want a premium membership, where you want to be able to see all this extra great stuff we're getting from learning with partners, there's a little code. Use Twitter. I don't know. I like it. And that will get you $10 <laughs> off your first month. I love it. Well, you know, Ch Chad's one of these guys. Like, like every single person on this panel, I have a story about, like, just this – where did this person come from? Like I was just a, some schmuck doing this dumb little podcast and enjoying it and having a blast. And all these people just kind of come out of nowhere, like supporting us and tweeting us and all this kind of th stuff. And Chad is one of those. I'm like, who is this guy in Canada, man? He's fantastic. And, you know, very authentic, genuine guy. And then he shows up, I was playing in, a, in the world series uh, and Chad shows up and, you know, we got a chance to meet you. And I, I just can't thank you enough for all your support and encouragement. And I know you love it, but uh, from my perspective, and I'm sure from, all of our perspective, it doesn't go uh, unappreciated. Like, like it means a lot to us just that you would, you choose us to be one of those podcasts that you're, you're promoting all the time. So really appreciate that. Oh, no problem. I, like I said, I, I've enjoyed it since I found you guys and um, just keep up the great work and, and more people should listen. Awesome. And well, if, and if, if you don't follow Chad on Twitter right now, you are not taking poker seriously. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> Go, no, seriously, follow him on Twitter and then you will be improved as a poker player, as someone who loves poker. That's the, that's the lock of the week if you have to take one thing away from this. Go follow <laughs> nice. Chad McVean on Twitter. Thank you, Jim. Love it. So, so as, as we wrap up, Thanks I guess man. with this, I just have, I have one quick question. I don't know. I want to know who listens to more podcasts every week, you or Somsky? Do you guys know how many podcasts you listen to every week? Like could be poker or all, all, all genres. Probably about seven hours a day. <laughs> yeah, I at, at two speed. Two speed. John, I used to listen to well, it was two point six is my speed, <laughs> and I used to listen to probably about probably about six hours a day or so. Uh, but I'm like way, I'm still back in May right now. I'm mm. just finishing off May because ever since COVID hit, the number of hours that I've had mm -hmm. to, you know, the, my whole commute has been taken away from me. So uh, I'm way behind 
on podcasts. So I still have to catch up with things. I, but I'll, I'll, I, I'm guessing I had him beat before, but I'm guessing he has me beat now. <laughs> well, this I don't know how you could listen to. I don't know how you can listen to the chipmunks for that long <laughs> right. every day. I mean, I that would drive me crazy. <laughs> well, it's interesting. When you listen to people that fast, it, their voices just sound normal. And mm-hmm. if I ever listen to it at normal speed, mm-hmm. it just seems like everyone is talking through molasses. Yeah. However, well, when you meet someone in real life and talk to them, for some reason, that sense just goes away. So mm-hmm. I can... Like when I talk to you, Steve, real life, just fine, no problem. If I listen to a podcast of you talking at normal speed, it's I'm going to pull my hair out because it just seems like it's so slow. Yeah, Do you I see agree the, with find that. the same thing, Chad? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's 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 interesting, yeah, because you listen at two point speed, but if you listen to something at normal speed, it's just like okay, get on with it. Um, <laughs> I was on I was on the the Top Pair podcast uh, about a month ago or so. And talking to uh, Robbie and Bruce from that, um, just the interaction, talking, I'm like, like, is this on delay or something? Like, it just it felt so slow because I'm so used to hearing them at a faster speed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I completely agree. And to build up to it, you just got to slowly start. You know, you start at one, then you go to 1.25, listen to that for a while, 1.5, 1.75, two. I stopped at two. Um, That's where I stopped also. <laughs> That's crazy to me. I tried it one when uh, I guess you got to build up to it. I suppose it's like yeah. people that play online, then they play live. They're like, oh my God, I can't play live. It's just so slow. Whereas if you played live all the time, it's like, this is kind of a normal rhythm. Yeah. 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 Well, well, my well, good thing with fun that, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, Andrew. Finish well, I was just saying just with that, I was listening to two times podcast in the truck with my wife and she goes, how do you do that? And then the song <laughs> came on. I was like, oh, this song's really good. I've never heard it before. She goes, it's on the podcast you listen to. But when the song is at two point speed, you don't notice it and it sounds completely different. Yeah. That's the one big thing. Talking and music are completely different when it comes to those 2.5 speeds. <laughs> Absolutely. That's pretty funny. Well, the the last thing to, to mention today, unless you guys have anything else, is just uh, we mentioned the podcast going to two a week uh, next week. Uh, so pretty excited about that deal. Uh, if you if you haven't heard, uh, one the one will be kind of the, the chats, I guess, really just discussions, kind of like what we did tonight. Uh, we're not going to worry about getting into strategy. Of course, we might. Depends on who the personality is, but it'll be poker players, other personalities, and just chatting with them, you know, what's going on in their world, what's going on with life, but then, you know, maybe getting some strategy from time to time as well. And then the second podcast is going to be our forums. Uh, we're going to lift the content right from the, the discussion forums that are out at rec.poker. So it might be hands that are being discussed out there. It might be some other situations, some other things going on. So uh, the crew will kind of decide what, what discussions we want to bring and kind of continue as, as a panel uh, that way. So it's a great opportunity. If you want to be on the podcast, kind of be active in the forums, uh, uh, you know, you can even uh, mention it. If there's a certain discussion that you'd love to see the team uh, exp- expound upon, uh, bring that up and bring it to our attention uh, so that we're aware of it. But that's the plan uh, going forward. Uh, we'll still figure out how to get how to get all the information to you guys, but there'll probably be less uh, of a round robin sort of feel as much as we like this stuff. Uh, there'll be less probably announcements coming through the podcast. It'll be more about go to the website, go to the website. If you are on the website or if you uh, subscribe to the newsletter at rec.poker, it's free, of course. Uh, that's the best way to stay tuned in with what's going on. So we'll continue to try to give you the big things, uh, but we're just not going to spend the 30 or 40 minutes every week uh, 
going through all of the announcements. Uh, it's just kind of a more of a logistical thing, I guess, more than anything else. Uh, obviously, if you have any questions on anything, get a hold of me, Steve at Rec.Poker. Uh, but seriously, go to the website, sign up for the newsletter, and then uh, we'll we'll sparse in the most important stuff as much as we can. So, uh, guys, anything else to add either on that or anything that we missed to, to update the folks about? Nothing, nothing. Don't see anybody unmuted. All right. Well, with that, let's let's wrap up there. Great stuff, uh, Clayton Fletcher. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, go to Rec.Poker. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, thanks to Running Aces, Racetrack Casino and Hotel. Thanks to Website Amp. Thanks to Learn Pro Poker. Uh, thanks to the panel. Uh, Chad McVean, fantastic having you here. Welcome to the Wrecking Crew. Uh, Jim Reed, Rob Washam, John Somsky, Chris Jones, Andrew Feist. Amazing, as always. And uh, we will chat with you for the 2X per week starting next week, guys. Take care.